Hi, it's Laura Giles, your host of Modern Animism Radio. Thank you all for tuning in. I recently came across a description of animism that was written by a Christian blogger that was so inaccurate. And I can see how someone with a Judeo-Christian outlook can interpret things the way that he did. But in order to understand a thing or a person, you really have to view it from their own lens. So that's what I'm talking about today. Really, I'm talking about an animist cosmology, so like how the world works, how we explain things. Um, but it's not the animist cosmology because different cultures have different stories that reflects the natural um, surroundings. So um, there are far more similarities and differences, and you can kind of generalize in what I'm about to say, and it'll give you a place to start to create some context and understanding of the animist world or reality. So first, let's acknowledge our oldest ancestors, the elements. I acknowledge the element of Earth and thank you for all things physical, our bodies, the beautiful planet where we live, stability, groundedness, sensuality, and all of those earthy qualities that help us to really have a human experience. I acknowledge and give gratitude to the air for our intelligence, breath, ideas, innovation, and giving us the link to the voices of the spirit world, and I ask the air to allow me to communicate well in a way that will help you to hear what is intended for you um, and so that you can receive it. I acknowledge the element of fire and give gratitude for our personal power and responsibility to get through all the changes that life is throwing at us right now with the change in seasons, death, dying, endings, grief, and all that stuff that comes with fall. Acknowledging of gratitude for water, for sustaining our lives, purification, flexibility, and the soft power that we all have within. I give gratitude to all of you for tuning in, telling others, and sending us your support. We rely on your emotional and financial support to be here, so thank you for every like, share, and social media comment. And if you'd like to donate, please hit the button on our website at www.pantsociety.net or you can go to buy me a coffee forward slash pantsociety and donate there. So I want to address the things that are in this article. And I don't want to reference it because I don't want to put anyone on blast or be critical. So it's not, not really about that. I don't want anybody going there and, you know, doing the blah, blah, blah thing. Um, my intention is mainly to just talk about the misinformation, okay? So one of the things that the article says is that animism is about putting yourself above others and competing for dominance. Um, I'm not sure how this writer arrived at that conclusion at all, really, because that seems to me to be more of the Western view. Um, when you have these religions that are where the chosen people and everybody else is outcast, um, that seems more like dominance, in-group, out-group. My experience of animism for, from birth, really, has been about as much love and equality and respect of boundaries and sovereignty. Um, everybody is different. Everybody has different needs. And what, by everybody, I mean like plants, animals, and, and people as well. But any any kind of um, creature has different needs and and um, desires, and one is not more worthy than the other. So I don't see any evidence of competing for dominance at all. No idea where that came from. I couldn't even begin to really guess. Um, another thing he says is man is everything else is on an equal playing field. 
And um, what I think this refers to is that in the Judeo-Christian world, the God, God, not the gods, God is above and everything else is below. And man is at the top of the totem pole and animals and plants are way below. So there is a hierarchy. Um, And so when the writer says man and everything else is on an equal playing field, he doesn't have that right. And so the difference is here it's it's we're all the same. We're all brothers and sisters. We all have equal value. And so we are not meant to dominate each other. It's not I don't have any more right than you have. We just have to learn how to live here and be peaceful together so that nobody wipes out anybody because that, that hurts us all. So true, everything is on an equal playing field. There is no hierarchy. Um, even the gods, in my opinion, don't have uh, dominion over us. They're more powerful, but it's the same way like a uh, lion is more powerful than a mouse, maybe. Um, in some ways, a mouse is more powerful than a lion. It just depends on how you are looking at power. Um so, okay, life is a fearful game of battling appeasement to secure your own wealth or gain is another one that he says, and the rituals help with this. I think if you're of the mindset, so a lot of modern people these days come to animism, paganism, because it's like a magic, um, what's that word? Uh, uh, it's a movement that's going on um Attraction, law of attraction. It's a magic law of attraction slot machine where if you say the right prayers to the right gods and give the right offerings, then you are going to get something magical that happens. Um, That's not how I view it. (laughs) So it's really not about securing my own wealth or gain. It's really about the rituals are there to live in relationship and to honor things, to remember things like the dead like the changing of the seasons, to honor the earth, to thank the earth for giving us food, to thank the sun for being earth's partner and creating that abundance for us, those kinds of things. So it's really not about, we are asking for fertility. We are asking for health sometimes, but it's not battling an appeasement. Mm, I'm not really sure it's, the, the battling makes it sound like, you know, if, if my my gods are going to do better than your gods or my offering is going to be better than your offering. And I don't see it that way at all. I think it's very personal. It's meaningful. It's a sacrifice. And if I give a very meaningful sacrifice, then that will help to deepen our relationship. The, that's what creates the meaning is those are symbols. Those are things of value. And if I'm willing to do that, then it shows that I have skin in the game. So it's really not about uh, let me give you a bottle of whiskey and you're going to give me a win at the casino. (laughs) It's not that at all. Um, Totally different way of looking at things. It's not, in my opinion or my experience, a commercial thing. It's an exchange of energy. It's an exchange of support out of love, not out of need or greed, like service. You're my genie in a bottle and you're going to give me stuff. Not that at all. Uh, let's see what else he says. He says, witch doctors and shaman are better game players and can help you to do battle in the spirit world. Uh, I think that's really a, I don't even know what <laughs> what that 
I don't I don't know how that he arrived at that. Um, so witch doctors and shaman are people who are very skilled at walking in the other world. So shaman is a term that belongs to the um, tongue-speaking people. If you're talking about Peruvian jungle people, and there's lots and lots of tribes there, or a Native Americans, or Australian Aboriginal people, or any of the many uh, indigenous extant animist cultures around the world, we don't call them shaman because words have meaning. Shaman is part of their language, and it has a very special, specific meaning. They have their own practices, they have their own gods, their own medicines, their own everything that belongs to that culture and it makes sense within that culture. So to just use that generically, to me, is disrespectful. Um, Witch doctor, I find, is more of a, it's probably a derogatory term to begin with, Um, but I think we kind of all have an understanding of what that is. I'm more cool with that as a generic term. Maybe I'm ignorant about that as well. Um, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about. And I don't think that they're game players at all. <laughs> and I don't think that they're servants that we send to do battle. To me, it's a very respectful relationship. And they have the ability to walk in the underworld because it is a – there's a doorway. There's liminal space. Liminal space is dangerous. You don't know what's going to happen there. It's um, without boundaries. It's a place of transformation. And it's not some place that ordinary people – are comfortable going because they have respect and they understand that it's dangerous. You can lose your mind there. You might not be able to find your way back. You can encounter things that are bigger than you are to, and you don't have the tools to cope with it. So it's not like anybody can just go there. And when a witch doctor or spirit walker does that on your behalf, it's a service. Um, they're not necessarily there to do battle. Maybe they are. Maybe they're there to set things right. Maybe they're there to just check things out. But they do it on the surface of the community, though. And it's not really game playing. It's serious business. You don't just go into the – it's like going to war. You know, would you just go to war for fun? <laughs> would you call that your – if you're a good general or a good soldier, would you say you're a good game player? I don't think so. It's, it takes the respect out of it. So – it's just different worldview, totally different worldview. <laughs> now, another thing that this author talks about is that animists worship our ancestors. And I don't know if worship is a translation error or a a um, misunderstanding. I don't think most of us are not worshiping ancestors. To me, when you say worship, that's like putting them on a pedestal and you know, treating them like gods. And our ancestors aren't gods. They're they're us. They're us in spirit form. So it's just like they're, they're not here in spirit, but they still exist, and we're still connected to them. And by remembering them, we keep them alive. It's an exchange of energy. And without that exchange of energy, they can't help us. We can't help them. Things that are done in the, in the physical world have to be healed in the physical world. So it, once they're dead, they can't do those things for themselves. So maybe they ask us for help. Or it could be the other way around. They lend us energy for healing. They give us tips to help us stay safe or 
to help us have a better harvest or whatever it is. Um, but when we have that communication with them, we check in with them, we say, we remember you, we love you, we miss you, that kind of thing. Uh, it just helps to remind us of to whom we belong, really. So that's what that's about. It's not worshiping like you're on a pedestal and you're going to give us goodies. <laughs> Uh, the same token with we worship nature. So um, we may have rituals. I love rituals in nature. And we may uh, have a really love in our hearts for the trees, or for the animals and things like that. But it's not a worship like you're on a pedestal, you're better than us, and you're going to give us goodies. It's it's a respect and an awareness of that you're conscious, you're alive, you you contribute wonderful things to this earth, to my being, to the planet. And it's it's really a respect of nature versus a, a worship of nature. Now, you might say that a um, like a goddess of nature, Gaia, or something like that, you may worship that in the form of a god or a goddess. I think that's different. Maybe it's not different. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think that's a personal thing, though, versus a thing that all animists do. Another thing, so the author did not say this, but kind of, they mentioned Satan. Um, and I've heard this from other people too, so I'm going to throw this in there. And that's the idea that we worship Satan. Again, that's that worshiping thing. Because we're on an equal playing ground with everything else, I don't see us doing lots of worshiping. Communing with, respecting, honoring, yes, but not worshiping. And I think Satan is a, is a Judeo-Christian concept. I don't think most of us engage in the idea of Satan. So I, I would say as a whole, animus worshiping Satan is not a thing. Yeah, that, that's kind of a Judeo-Christian thing. That, that's part of their creation story. We don't really do that. Um, but I will say that the, the nature of animism is complementary duality. We do have light and dark. But that whole complementary part means that they're not doing battle. So we're not doing battle with evil. It's just a recognition that both the light and the dark exist. Dark exist, and they are partners. Sometimes we're in the light, sometimes we're in the dark. It's just like you know, half the day is sunshine and half the day is night. Same thing. One's not better than the other. Both have um, necessary tasks, and they teach us different things. So. While lots of people are taught to be afraid of the dark, it's really where transformation happens. It's really where all the things you don't want to see are. If you only worked with all the things that are in the light, your growth is going to be super, super limited. And you're going to be unbalanced because you're going to be more in the masculine world than in the feminine. The feminine ways of knowing are important too. So this is not to say that there are not naughty, empty spirits out there, but there's naughty, empty people. And animals sometimes have a reputation for that because everything has its own nature. You know, like otter is our mascot. Otters are cute. They're super playful. And they're naughty. (laughs) So I think we need to celebrate that energy, that little naughtiness. Respect it for sure. Um, But it's not bad. It's just that's how some things are. Sometimes, you know, like the fool archetype, the fool is there to shake stuff up, to keep things funny, to keep it moving. And that's kind of what the dark does, too. Sometimes the lessons that we need are not um, happy and friendly and easy. So that's what the darkness is for. 
not often pleasant. It's usually not pleasant. Or sometimes it's titillating, you know? But it's it's part of wholeness. So I think if you can embrace that, I know that's a hard concept to wrap your head around if you're used to antagonistic duality where there's good and evil, light and dark. Just like, don't bring that negativity over here to me. Sometimes negativity has purpose. Um, I don't like it either. It's really uncomfortable. Um, but sometimes it does have a purpose. Everything has a purpose in nature. It's just, is it the right time and the right place and the right quantity for that energy right now? That's all. So another thing that this author talks about is that we worship many gods. And I think a lot of people uh, think that about animals. But really, maybe God has nothing to do with it. Maybe there are no gods. Or maybe there are tons of gods. Maybe there's a pantheon of gods. Um, it doesn't. That's really not a huge part of animism. Really, the main ideas in animism is about everything is animate. Everything's conscious. Everything is alive and connected. Versus the god peace. Um, I don't. I have not seen animists get in an uproar over that the way that monotheist does. Because if you're monotheist, you know you got your one true god. And that God is supreme, and then it is a combat. It's it's combats that, that your gods are the best gods. You don't care. If you like your God, cool. If you don't have a God, cool. If you have tons of gods, that's okay, too. It doesn't really matter to us. Um, the article also spoke to the idea that we're superstitious and primitive. Uh, they point to things like elves, the Muklave, the Thin Man, um, the mystical beasts, gods, tricksters, things like that to show that we are simple. <laughs> um, I agree with the idea that we're simple. I think simple is easy and um, the, the easiest answer is just the best one. I don't have a problem with that. Um, but the other thing that these misbeliefs and mythical beasts and tricksters and all of that does, is it taps into the feminine ways of knowing. It taps into and acknowledges the things that we don't see. It allows for intuition and feminine um, imagination, which is actually air, which is masculine. But imagination, and that's how things are created. That's how things come into being. Every time people have thought about a thing, it becomes a thing. That's how air came to be. That's how trees came to be. That's how houses came to be. Everything started as an idea. And if you have no imagination, how do we create it? That's the idea of um, never-ending story. You have to imagine it. You don't imagine things, the world ceases to exist. So do mythical beasts exist? You know, there's lots of stories about how you cross the veil people with elves and uh, gnomes and all of this thing. In my mind, that's very real. So I'm not telling you what to think, but I, I believe in possibilities. I've never seen mythical beasts, but I certainly think that they could exist. Um, there's also the symbols of things like the world tree, the navel of the world, the axis mundi, where the earth and sky meet, the center of the world. So there's a lot of symbolic um, things that I think non-animist might at the same time, because it's more of an idea, um, 
and it doesn't exist really on this plane. So in in another plane, everything can be anywhere. You can be anywhere. You can be everywhere. That's kind of more than I want to get into because I think that I'd love to have that conversation really about um, what do they call it? It's, it's physics, but it's bigger than physics. Um, I can't think of the word. Anyway, yeah, I'd love to have an expert come and talk about that, that non-reality thing and things you can't see and how, how anyway. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't have space for superstition, primitive thoughts, fantasy, I don't think you're all that alive, honestly. And, and your feminine side needs to be developed. Your inner child needs to be developed because that's a, that's a really important part of creation. So don't ever lose touch with your inner child. It's super, super important. Um, I find these kind of things really interesting. And you never know what people are thinking until something like this comes up and you hear something that's just like, What? I mean, there's lots of these, and lots of little tiny things that come up, like, you know, when you're at a ritual and people don't understand, well, why are you doing this thing? Or they see something and they totally misinterpret it, things like that. Um, lots of opportunities for education. So my suggestion would be to come to a gathering. That's what's happening. Pretty much it's going to look like what people have to <laughs> see a whole lot of things that are all that different because it's more of an internal experience of the world. Um, but come out and enjoy it. And if you do notice something like, you know, why are you doing that? What are you doing? Then ask for some clarification. I think you might be inspired. If you have any questions about the animus cosmology, let us know. If you have a different understanding of something, please share. You know, we can all grow in our understanding, maybe adopt some practices, beliefs. If you want to join the conversation, check out our Facebook group. We're also on Instagram and Twitter if you prefer those platforms. And I'm Laura Giles. I'll see you right here next week. Thanks for joining me. Bye, guys.